Okay, you ready to do this? I'm ready. Woo! All right, all right, here we go. One, two, three. Look at you, you're putting your sultry voice on. Okay. No, that's just, that's my COVID voice. (laughs) 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 Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Hello, John. Hey, Brandon, how's it going? Good. Uh, As I was last week, I'm still sick. And I sound worse than I did last week, but such is life. We're still going to power through this. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a baritone this week, which I, I don't mind. I wish my voice was like this all the time. Yeah, you sound like... Barry White. Hello, Brandon. K-Y-O-T, <laughs> smooth jazz, coyote. There you go. There you <laughs> that go. was uh, K-Y-O-T was the smooth jazz station in Phoenix. And uh, the announcement was, it was that it was K-Y-O-T, the coyote. And I love that station. Now it's uh, like techno. It was, it was the coyote smooth jazz for like 30, 40 years. And they used to have a big jazz festival every year, which was a lot of fun. But last time I was in Phoenix, I put on K-Y-O-T and now it's do, 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 do. Like the antithesis of smooth jazz. Now it's just, uh, yeah, craziness. So Concrete World. What's new? What's new in the concrete world? Yeah, what's new in the concrete world, John? That's what we're here to talk about, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I, uh-huh. I don't know. I don't think there's... I guess it depends on what end <laughs> you're on. You know, there's still a bunch of Did old school... Did you just stumble into this school? podcast? What the, what the hell's going on here? Uh, what? Know, what are we talking about? Huh? I thought we were just talking concrete. about jazz. Concrete. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, that's why we're here. Concrete. Uh-huh. Rock and roll. Yeah, right on, man. Yeah. No, um, I mean, I still get hit with several questions all the time. I mean, here's a big one. Like, I don't know. Where are we at? I mean, I know where we're at on pigment and stuff, but do we see a timeline having it loaded on the Kodiak page for ordering? Mm, Well, you're copied on the emails to the web people. Yeah. And I haven't heard back from them. So your guess is as good as mine. Right. So in the meantime, we're still doing the same thing. Send an email. Yeah. Yeah. We should like, we should like have like some type of, uh, odds on like, you know, we should pick a day and have like a, a lottery. If you, if you pick the day and time that these people get back to us, you win the pool of money, whatever it is. (laughs) (laughs) I got like October, October 11th, October 11th is the date I'm picking. That's when they're going to get back to us. Well, we got to learn how to just put the darn stuff on ourselves, I guess. Well, I know how to put it on. I put it on. I just don't know how to like connect all the plugins to, to facilitate all the stuff. That's where it gets complicated. Oh. I can load everything, which I did load everything. I just don't know how to do all the other stuff. So anyway. Oh, really? Because I was just on the Kodiak. Um, Simon Tipple actually hit me because he, he needs to get some titanium. Alabaster. And I went to the website and I'm like, yeah, man, I Alabaster. think it's already there. Alabaster. I'm sorry. Alabaster. I told him, I tried to tell him, quit using titanium. It's alabaster. Alabastard. Alabastard. I like that name. Um, We should have named it Anyway, he hit me on it. Yeah. Yeah, I actually went to the the webpage and I don't know. I just, I guess I didn't see it. I didn't see where you had it loaded on yet. Well, at least pictures or something to the store. It's not on the side that the public sees. It's on our side you can see it in the admin side, side but you can't see it yet because we're not got it. i haven't made it live but it's there it's just not live so anyways all right cool we'll get man. it we'll get it worked out it'll well, get there's worked the out. answer to that yeah yeah we're up and running 
just got to send, in this case, we'll do um, custom invoice to get you what you need. How about you? Any questions? Because, I, I, yeah, I got a real good one here in a second. This is more of a, <laughs> probably more of a crit critique mm. of us. Mm. I love that. Than a question. So it seems like you guys do not like coding sealers. You're anti-coatings. Why is that? He says what he's using, which is a popular product with CCI. What, what is and that? And how does that compare? Omega? Omega. 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 Yeah, I, I like the way... Um, Martin Haddock says Yeah, it. I like the way Martin says it. Omega. Omega. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the reason... You might shield as well. Anyway, yeah, so go ahead. I'll let you answer that one. I'll jump in. Well, the reason we don't like coatings is because they don't work. That's it. Mic drop. That's it. That's right. It's the truth, true, though, because we've all, if you've been doing this for a long time, which I don't know who sent you this message, but if you've done it for a long time and you do topicals, you've had some catastrophic failures because on a long enough timeline, it happens. And it's when that happens, the uh, options to repair, if it is even repairable. And what does that entail? And how do you repair it in the field? And, you know, there, a lot of times it's just easier to rip everything out and do it again. But is that financially viable as a company? You can't afford to do that more than a couple times a year. And then you lost all the profits you made for the year. It's one of those things that if you do this for long enough and you use topicals, you get to the point where you just can't bear to go any further as a profitable business and use a topical. And so everybody that I know that has done this for, I would say more than, Mm, I would say, I know some guys that have been doing it for about five years are still using topicals, but I'd say much mm -hmm. past five years, because that's kind of like the tipping point of when you start getting all the callbacks of it peeled off, it turned yellow. And so everybody that I know has sent us for, I'd say more than five years that I know is using ICT. Um, there's a couple people overseas that, that are using a reactive sealer. I'm not sure the brands that isn't ICT, but it's mm -hmm. still the same idea that they're not using a topical, they're using reactive. Mm -hmm. So I say that's kind of direction that everybody goes if you do it for long enough. Because I used to use topicals. Dusty used to use topicals. Uh, you probably yep. started off using topicals. Oh, we used all, topicals. Yeah, we all yeah. used topicals, but we all finally got to the point where we just couldn't do that any longer. And so that's why I stopped doing it because it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't work for what we do. And it'll yellow. All, all topicals have UV inhibitors, inhibitors, not preventers. They don't prevent UV yeah, deterioration. No, it can't. just slows it yeah. down. And so, again, okay. long enough timeline, every coating will turn yellow. In some colors, it's not a big deal. If it's charcoal and it goes yellow, eh, whatever. But if it's a light color, well, now your white countertop's a yellow countertop, you know? Uh, so that's one of those things that that's the other downside. And I've had that happen with pieces. I've gone back to projects where I did white, you know, seven, eight, nine years later. It's not white anymore. Your turn, John. Yeah. Well, mine's a much longer one, but I, I'm going to put out, I am not anti-coating. I'm just the opposite. I'm not anti-cutting, meaning that I'm willing to let people make your choice. So here's like a new customer who came our way. And I'm just going to read parts of, I mean, it's a huge thing he hit me on, but he's one of those who's used Omega and so forth. And what he actually pulled out was an excerpt in a conversation that him and I had a year ago, by the way, who at the time, you know, he just, I don't think he just attended, but he, you know, attended a, a CCI training. He was very, very happy about where he was at and what he was doing. 
he, him and I got in some conversations and my answer to him in some of his questions related to this was, and I quote, well, he's quoting me actually, keep using Omega if that's what you want, but I encourage you to learn ICT. That way, when you get to a certain point, it's easy, easier for you to transition into a new direction rather than feeling like, you know, a newbie all over again. So he went on to say, you know, he gives me some critique, like at the time he thought I was just kind of, you know, blowing smoke up his backside. You know, I must be an anti-coding guy or somehow I got some kind of animosity against Omega or whatever other choices are out there. But instead he comes back a year later and comes back and said, you know, how did those words hit hard? Um, you know, and how he has to come this direction and he's very unhappy with the performance that he's gotten. And, you know, they just never hold up according to what he's saying. So, yeah, I'm not an anti-coding guy. Um, if anybody's not, not talked to Brandon and I are long enough, come on, I run a business. I've had my business now for nearly 20 years. I've had codings. I've used different versions of codings. Hell, I, I work and I actually consult on for making codings. So codings are nothing new to me, but there's a reason why I don't offer them. And in the past, the only projects I've ever fully replaced because of, I'm going to say, expectation failure was because of a coding. Once they scratch through, I mean, again, it's a philosophy we keep talking over and over and over about is that I decided to go a direction when I watched my own business struggling financially and I saw more money going out than coming in which typically like everybody else, like, Ooh, I just need to find a better sealer. Even though I was continuing to design my own at the time, I just didn't feel it was ready to go fully live. So I was using what choices I had. And, you know, the concrete was the concrete. And then I just put this thing that I thought was a sealer. And now my eyes have been opened that guess what, man, that plastic film was really where I was putting all my expectation of performance on this plastic film, not the whole package, just this plastic film. And when that film gave out for one reason or another, scratched through wore, peeled, scraped, I mean, whatever I call them, just not life friendly. Those are the ones I had to go back and it was a real pain in the butt to scrape everything off, start all over again. And ultimately, in the two really bad situations, they just got replaced. Um, so we went a different direction. And that's where I'm at now. I'm very happy with it. The performance that I see, that I live with, not just that I go in clients' place, is what I will stand behind all day long and tell people, at least... 100% works for me. Not kind of, not a little bit. Works. No question about it. I agree. I concur. I concur. I concur. Yeah, but again, I just don't want anybody to listen to all of us. Like, oh, once again, they only want to talk about their own stuff. No. Hell, no. man, you want to hit me on an Omega question? I'll answer it. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. Well, and, yeah, you know, you... That's not it. You have been for for years now playing around with different topicals just to see if there's something out there that is a good option for guys that really want to stick with a topical and at some point right. that might be something that is offered through ict 
But that's only for people that absolutely, for whatever reason, have it in their head that they need a topical. And some people feel that way. Yeah, I think people get hung up on it. Yeah, they, I think they truly do get hung up on it. Uh, that they're, you know, that I'm using a urethane or whatever the case may be, which again, we can have a whole other conversation, which I put out there before about isothionates and toxicities and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And we could go down a huge rabbit hole about that, but we won't. Yeah, that's the other thing, you know, especially <laughs> you and I just talked yesterday. Now becoming a dad, being dad now for 16 years. You know, that there's a whole other way I looked at things, too, and that is, to the best of my ability, in my shop to be health conscious. Yeah. And one of those is still going to be the materials that I use. Yeah. So, ICT is completely clean. Um, it's a non-toxic. It's completely food safe. And that's a whole other thing I hate talking about because, again, I'm calling hocus pocus to the products out there that call themselves food safe or food contact safes. That is that is such bull crap. Yeah. That ain't right. As long as an isothionate or some of these other um, catalysts are on board, that they actually leach out of the system for here till freaking doomsday. So that's that's actually not true. It comes down to what is an acceptable parts per million that you're willing to contaminate your food with. So, but anyway, that's a whole other conversation. So that being said, I'm digressing. You're, you're not anti-coatings because I know for a fact you've tested different technology, coating technologies, and you've continued to do so, but you just haven't found anything yet that you feel comfortable saying, mm -hmm. this is something that I think as a coating goes, is something I'd stand behind because they all kind of have this inherent problem. True. Agreed. And at some point, who knows? I mean, ICT may come out with a, let's say, a urethane option. But in this case, yeah, that's what I'm saying. again, it's a different conversation. In this case, I'm going to call the urethane, again, just a version of a polymer. I'll have to adapt it into an ability to be reactive. But again, that'll only satisfy, if it even satisfies, you know, the people. Because the same thing, I'm going to go with a self-cross-linking technology. It will not have a, it'll still be dependent on the concrete as the catalyst. will not use a two-component catalyst. So again, a whole different direction, but we'll see what happens. What else you got? What other questions you have? Um, well, the other, how about, I know we've talked about this quite a bit, but, and again, this is so concrete related, uh, back to the whole Portland cements. Once again, guys, and I know we've covered this several times, but why do we only recommend the white Portland cements? Why not the grace? which, you know, I guess you can, and we will, uh, the information's out there. We'll provide the information to use your gray, especially if you're using a rad mix and that's the direction you want to go. But why do we not provide product in a gray? Why do we defend the white? And that's, once again, well, it, it's a chemistry issue. Exactly. It's just super consistent. Gray, you don't know what you're getting. There's all kinds of byproducts mixed in. It's not listed on the bag. It's gray Portland, but you have all kinds of things in it. And, uh, and then gray itself, there's different qualities gray, different reactivity of Portland, uh, different colors. Like I said, in Phoenix, there's probably 10 different colors available so, of gray. So it just opens up a whole lot of variables where federal white comes from one plant where they manufacture the Portland, and it's very consistent. And then if you're 
have a color line, you're able to be pretty darn consistent if you're using pigments to offer a very consistent color over the years. So if somebody picks, let's call it alabaster there you go. in 2020, and then they pick it in 2030, well, guess what? It's going to be the same color because it's very consistent. Very consistent. Yeah. I think it's the same yeah. thing. We keep putting it out there, but I'll keep saying, quit saying that. Um, Lehigh White, I think is a great product, but it's inconsistent. It's got three different, if not four different manufacturing, right? Turkey, Mexico, United States, and I can't remember the fourth one, maybe Italy or something like that. Anyway, it's, it's, yeah, it's all brought in through Texas, I think is their main facility. They don't actually have a way of blending it to keep a consistency in color. So whatever comes in is what's typically what's packaged, and it can be inconsistent. So it is what it is. True. All right. So that answers that. That answers that. That answers that. That answers that. Hey, I got a guy that sent me a message a couple days ago on Facebook, and he cast Maker Mix, I don't know, two weeks ago, came out perfect. Absolutely perfect. He didn't use it in a release. And then he cast it again, and he was doing something else, but he sprayed Buddy Rhodes release. Now, I don't know what Buddy Rhodes release is. I never used Buddy Rhodes release. It's obviously something that smoothed on his packaging. Hmm. And I, I, well, I would guess that it has a uh, silicone in it, maybe like a food grade silicone or something. I don't know. But it created thousands of pinners in his piece. So he sent me photos. He's like, what's going well, on? I'm like, well, what'd you yeah. do? And he, t- yeah. And he told me, and I'm like, okay, well, that sounds right. Like he did the right amount of TBP, he did the right amount of water. I was like, is there anything different? He's like, well, I sprayed Buddy Rhodes release. I'm like, well, I don't know what that is. So not to bash on smooth on, but, but what I'd say is, I wouldn't use Buddy Rhodes release. I don't know what's in it. Like I said, I, I have to assume it's silicone because if you ever use a silicone, like a spray silicone release, it creates nothing but, but pinners in your piece. But I told him use Aquacon. So here, smooth on. I'm sending business your way. Aquacon is a phenomenal release agent. It's the only one I like, and it comes from smooth on. So if you're going to use a spray release, which you only need spray release on things like fiberglass or rubber or plastic molds, anything like that, I would use Aquacon, and that's pretty much the only release I would recommend because I've used it on all those materials, and the pieces come out perfect. No, no pinners whatsoever. So that's my recommendation. Yeah, I agree 100%. So again, anybody, yeah, uh, I think Fishstone, a few other ones, and that, that actually was one. <laughs> this goes back. You and I have talked sometimes about our failures, right? Like, how do you know? Well, well, we're going to get to yeah, that. Well, we're well get I'm to just that. saying. So there was one of mine. I remember contacting Tom one day, and he sends me, I don't even remember the name of it now, but he sends me a release. Oh, yeah, you know, wipe it on. Okay, great. You know, so wiped it on, did what my typical methods, walked away from it. I think it was 30 or 45 minutes, came back, buffed, cast, and in the corners of this precast piece, Oh yeah, it looked like he shot it with a shotgun. I mean, it was it was so ridiculously just, you know, nothing but pinholes. Pinholes, pinholes, pinholes. You know, everything from the big to the super tiny ones you really can't fill without trying to fill them three, four, five times, you know. And called him up like, hey, he's like, well, I don't know. It can't be the release. There's no way that can be the release. And I'm like, yeah, I think it's the release, man. I've never seen this before until, no, it can't be the release. Okay, so put two releases head to head. I think it was a Zypex uh, version or Zymex. Anyway, long story short, 
Don't use silicones. <laughs> no, not the spray silicones. Do not. 880 VOC. I think there's actually a, 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 a smooth-on version called Universal Release. Um, any of them, don't use. So use your part all. Polytech 2350, any of yeah. those. Those are all silicone releases. Yeah. They're all food-grade silicone. Hiram Ball told me years ago, before he passed away, that most of those are food-grade silicone I use to lubricate deli equipment. Comes in aerosol. That's what it's made for. And they just relabel it as release for concrete or mold making. Interesting. But like Polytech 2350, yeah, that's what he said they're traditionally made for, or the original use was for deli equipment, food-grade silicone. Which I don't know that's good for you, getting silicone uh, in your meat. Doesn't sound good. But it's, again, one of those acceptable parts per million, you know? Like, hey, my turkey sandwich only has three parts per million silicone. But that's what, that's what most of those aerosol releases are, are food-grade silicone. Mm. And, uh, it, you know, when you make a mold and you use silicone uh, sealant caulk for the roundover around the perimeter, you always notice when you flip your piece, that's where, that's the only place I ever have any air pockets, any, any pinholes, mm -hmm. is where that silicone was because that silicone holds air. Air, for whatever reason, just attaches to that spot and won't pop off, where the rest of the mold comes out perfect, not a pinner to be found. The only place, and we talk about this in the classes, and we show people, look, before we even do it, I tell them, the only place we're going to have any pinholes is going to be where we have silicone caulking. And lo and behold, 99.999999% of the time, when I flip a piece, it's perfect, except for where there's caulk. And it's not something I sweat because it's a roundover. It's just like a little tiny pinner, like whatever, whatever. Nobody's going to care. But it just shows you silicone holds air. And that's why... Uh, I don't like silicone molds. I like urethane molds. But anyways, it's a different story. Speaking of urethane molds, or, or uh, there was just a question here the other day, right? Um, Brian, related mm -hmm. to... I'm Polytech yeah, 7445 yeah, and he had a yellow... mold. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That happens. You know, so Polytech 7445, in my opinion, if you're going to only use one rubber to make your molds, that's the best rubber. And that's what Hiram used to say as well. It's the most universally useful durometer of rubber. It's very dependable. It's long-lasting. It's got enough flex to it. You can demold it easily without breaking pieces. But like I said, I got molds that are almost 20 years old that are still usable, still pliable. I'm not doing anything special to them, and they're still usable. But for whatever reason, the first cast or two with 7445, it's with any rubber mold mm -hmm. because they have like oils in them of some sort, but it, it transfers that yellow shade to the piece. So if it's a darker color concrete, it's not a big deal. You don't see it. But if it's white, well, where that mold was comes out yellow tinted. But by the second or third casting, usually it takes a couple castings, it's, it doesn't happen anymore. And so I've talked to Polytech and said, you know, what's going on? They're like, oh, we're not really sure. But, you know, we hear this all the time. People say that. Like the first casting, first maybe one or two, they'll have some transfer of that yellow color and then it stops. I just wish they would take the yellow out altogether the dye. Just take it out. Let the rubber be what it is, you know, because they're obviously adding yellow to it to pigment at that color. It's kind of like those Spinflex pads. Remember when they used to be maroon and it would transfer that maroon color to your concrete? Yeah, I do remember And that. then they finally, after enough people complained about it, they finally just started making them natural. Yeah. Like they didn't add any pigment to it. Like why do they need to be red anyways? Like they don't need to be red. Who cares if they're red? So they took out the pigment and now they don't transfer the color to your concrete. I wish Polytech, if you're listening to Polytech, like Polytech's a person. Hey, Polytech, I'm talking hey, to you. Poly. 
Take the damn color out of the rubber. Nobody needs it. I don't care if it's yellow, cream colored, clear, whatever. Just let it be. Anyways. Well, I wonder if you'd, I mean, I didn't, I guess I haven't thought about this till now. Anybody listening, maybe just break your molds in. Wonder if you just like hand coated them two or three times, pulled it out, let that wear off with some, I'm going to call them test castings, and then use that for a project. So what I've done is, and it's pretty much the only time, because I'm not spraying a face coat to spray a face coat. I'm just spraying a face coat to put concrete on the surface and like cure it and like draw out that color. <clears throat> but that's what I've used my hopper gun for in the past is when I make erosion sinks, a lot of times I make a rubber mold to do them. And it's part of my, my mold making process. But I'll spray it a couple times with just, you know, a little bit of, of uh, face coat mix. Let it harden up overnight. Next day, break it off, do it again, and then I'll cast my actual piece. And by doing that, it draws out that color. Mm. <clears throat> and then I don't get that transfer of color. Now, it always cure differently. It doesn't matter if I'm using Polytech 7445 or uh, Mold Star 30 or, or any of the different rubbers out there. Melamine versus rubber or melamine versus fiberglass or melamine versus plastic. All the materials will cure differently. The concrete will cure differently. And so if there's ever two different materials in your form, you'll always get a slightly different shade of color between those two different materials. It's crazy the way concrete does that. So if you're putting a rubber form, a mold, in your melamine form, expect to have some color difference. Now, typically, once you clean it with simple green or whatever degreaser you want to use, which that was another question we got, once you clean it and then you acid etch it, it becomes negligible. You can't even tell that there's a color difference. Most of the time, but sometimes it's still there. Sometimes I can still see it. Something to know. No, that is. Yeah, I, I don't use a whole lot of that kind of stuff. All my stuff is usually, you know, an MDF or a plywood plug, and then I do an epoxy coat and do all that kind of jazz. So I don't use a whole lot of rubbers. But it's good to know if you're going to pull pull a rubber, break the thing in before you use it. So that was the other question we got. Is uh, somebody on? The Kodiak Pro page, Justin Stevenson, I think that's who it was, or Jason Robertson. No, Justin Stevenson said that his wife has a sensitivity to, to chemicals and smells and Simple Green was a little strong, was, was a recommendation for stripping off the, the casting residue, wax, mold release, that kind of stuff. And what was your recommendation? Well, it would just be use a diluted acid. But, you know, your acid is still going to have a smell, especially if you use a, a vinegar. Otherwise, the other two choices was using a baking soda, heat up some water with baking soda. That, that baking soda works really well. And then finally, a blend of the mule borax, so a tartaric acid, or excuse me, a boric acid with the baking soda, blend the two together. You know, those are two that are your, your natural cleaners. Use a lot in, you know, in soap products and laundry detergents and all that kind of stuff. So any of those choices would be, well, especially the last two, would be great choices that would have no scent. Well, there you go. Problem solved. Yeah. And the only thing I would say is use warm water. I mean, you know, and make up a, like a five gallon pail at a time so that it sits and, you know, you get plenty of. Nice warm water, ready to rock and roll, a five-gallon bucket, always on the side, you know, to use it. So you're not constantly blending up fresh cleaning agent. 
would be the smart thing to do, yeah. in my opinion. That's a good idea. Yeah, it is. I mean, as long as you're scrubbing, I mean, our recommendation with that, just like in your videos, is using a Scotch-Brite pad to do to scrub. So it's a combination, in my opinion, it's a combination of the scrubbing action with the cleaner. So I think it'll do great. What was the last word you just said? I think that'll do great. Great. Oh. Don't have to get my... I heard... I think it'll do great. No, it'll do great. You had a stroke for a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing. It wasn't it... I forget when it was. I was surprised how many people are sensitive to, you know, smells, if you will. Because there was one... <laughs> oh, I was... I mean, I, I made am, a joke dude. I can't it. stand laundry yeah, detergent. Yeah, laundry detergent. I had no idea. So many people were so yeah, sensitive I, to that. I can't stand it. No. Dude, my wife, like I only use Tide Free and Clear or, you know, All Free and Clear or whatever. My wife got some like OxyClean for the girl's clothes. And it, it takes three or four loads of laundry after she's used it once for me not to be able to smell it in my clothes. And it, dra- it gives me like migraines, really? the smell of it. I can't stand it. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. I can't stand the smell of it. But that's like any, like... You know, plug-in air fresheners drive me crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, they're, t- they're too strong. They're too strong. It's like walking into a Beth Bath and Body Works. I, I have no idea how people oh, can my spend, God. you know, 30 minutes to an hour in there. I have trouble walking past it. <laughs> it's so strong. I know. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let, me, let me do our weekly highlights that we need to hit real quick. Number one. I want you to have a Concrete Gangster sticker. The way you get it, go to facebook.com, like Kodiak Pro Materials, join a discussion group, send me an email through Facebook or through the Kodiak site. Brandon, uh, I liked the Facebook page. I joined a discussion group. Please send me a sticker. My address is, send me your address. I'll put it in the mail to you, number one. Number two, go to Apple Podcast and leave a review, or you can actually leave a review on Spotify as well. But leave us a review and then send us an email. Uh, same thing, send an email with your address and I'll get a sticker in the mail. That's number one. Number two, we're having an open studio, February 28th, Eureka Springs, Arkansas. It's for people wanting to try Kodiak Pro products to mix concrete, apply sealer, cure, cast, all that kind of fun stuff. It's for somebody just wanting to kind of dip their toe in, see if this is for them. Or maybe you're doing concrete, you're thinking about switching product lines, Kodiak Pro. You're not ready to make the jump. You want to come do it in person, be comfortable. This is for you. So that's February 28th, Monday, February 28th. To sign up for that, go to KodiakPro.com, click on shop, scroll down, open studio. It's $100, best money you ever spend. I hope to see you there. Lastly, we're having the six-day spring 2022 Pinnacle Concrete Camp, February 21st, 26th, Eureka Springs, Arkansas, Dusty Baker, John Schuler, Brandon Gore, GFRC, ECC, OPP, You Know Me, Fabric Forming, Upright casting, dusty crete, business practices, sealing, curing, tools and equipment, marketing, all of it, all of it. Best class in the world, best class in the universe, best class ever in the history of mankind or dinosaurs. You got to come to sign up, concretedesignschool.com. Click on the banner up top. There's a little link and uh, come to that. And that's $4,500. And I'm like, oh, it's a lot of money. Dude, best money you ever spent. I mean, that's a college class, and we're going to teach you in six days what six years of college can't teach you. So best money you'll ever spend, I promise. And uh, there's plenty of people. You know, we've taught 1,500, 1,600 people. There's plenty of people that are doing this for a living today, got their 
start in their confidence by coming to Concord Design School. And that was the only investment they made was coming to a class. And it was the best investment they made. So you can come to that class and learn and start a business and be successful. And if you're already doing this for a living and you want to get better at it and you want to open up your toolkit, you know, the options you can offer clients, uh, come to the class and we'll teach you all kinds of new tricks. So hope to see you there. So that's what I had to cover. You know, something we talked about, and you kind of alluded to it, but we talked about it earlier this week on the phone, is maybe each week we talk about a failure we had. Because, uh, you know, everybody that does this has failures. And I think it's good that we talk about it. And so, A, people don't feel like they're alone in failures because it's, it's just a constant with this business. You know, if, if you're doing anything new for the first time, and we're always doing something new for the first time, yeah. there's going to be failure. Um, so I think that'd be a good thing to do. So I, you know, we don't each need to tell a story each week, but maybe we take turns. So do you want to go first? Or you no, want me to I'll go let first? you go first. I, I, let's uh, yeah. What's, what's been your biggest okay, struggle? So, Hit me. <clears throat> oh, Jesus, Jesus. Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> well, I made a list. I'll let you pick, I'll let you pick the failure that we're going to talk right. about. Okay. And I'll cross it out. And then next time I do it, I'll do a different one. Okay. Failure number one, mixer shredding fiber. Failure number two, <laughs> hydraulic pressure. Failure number three, caulk staining edge. Failure number four, plastic falling into form. Failure number five, hopper gun dripping. And failure number six, fireplace mold cracking. So out of those, which one do you want me to address? Well, I like the first one. Uh, I mean, I know the story behind it. So to me, that's... Mixer shredding fiber? Yeah, come on, man. That's like a classic. That's like a... That's, that's not even a... I'm not going to... I'm going to let you tell the story clearly. But to me, knowing the story, it goes so much further than, you know, hey, the butterflies in my stomach, you know, at a client's house because I broke something. <laughs> I mean, this, this is one of those like hide under the doormat. <laughs> like, where, yeah. where do yeah. I go? Hide your kids, hide your wife. So go ahead, hit me on that one. Okay. So in the early days of GFRC, we used to mix using a high-powered drill that you'd buy at, at a hardware store. I saw that you mixed paint as well. So if you mix paint, you mix drywall mud, anything like that, you used a high-powered drill. And, you know, the handheld mixers we have today weren't available back then. So anyways, that's what I used. Um, Jim Ralston was somebody that used to do GFRC. Uh, he's the one that got me onto the high-powered drill because Hiram had these high-shear mixers made by Char and um, these other companies that made these huge, they look like big blenders almost. And they mix in a 55 gallon drum, but Jim Ralston was using a high power drill. And so that's what got me using a high power drill to mix my GFRC. Anyways, I digress. So with a high power drill, we would mix and we'd throw fibers, <clears throat> fibers in mix, 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 you know, cast a piece. Back then we sprayed a face coat and, and did a hand back coat, but whatever. It didn't matter if we're doing SEC, it's still the same thing. So I came across somehow this company called Colomix out of Germany that was making these mixers for mixing mortar and things like that. And this was, I want to say like 2005 or six that I came across this. I'd done two classes on GFRC. And back then my class on GFRC was like seven days. And it was like, I don't know, six or $7,000 per person to come. We're the only people in the world teaching how to do GFRC back then. I mean, it was the most cutting edge thing anybody had ever done. And we'd done two classes and they'd gone really well, no problems. 
But I came across this company and I ordered these mixers. They had a big double blade mixer and they had single blade mixers and they had a stand and they had buckets. I ordered everything. I ordered it all. I wanted one of everything. And it was, I don't know, it was like 7,000 bucks or something, whatever it was. I had to get it shipped from Germany. And it was supposed to show up like two or three weeks before the class. But it didn't. It showed up like the day before the class. And so it shows up. I unbox everything. I get it set up. People come in for the class. Everybody's like, ooh, and ah, and like, oh, these are so cool. They're all brand new, never even plugged in yet. So we do the class, and we mix the concrete, mix GFRC. We're using a double blade mixer. And everybody took a turn mixing. You know, take my picture. You know, and they're like having their buddies photograph them. And the next guy, hey, I want to do it. Cool, buddy. Next guy, hey, I want to do it. So, you know, like 15 people. All mix, 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 mix. And that mix gets mixed for a solid probably 15 minutes, right? High speed double blade mixer. And so we cast this sink. It was a double basin sink. We cast it. We spray the face coat. We hand back it. You know, we've been touting the benefits of GFRC. You can cast one inch thick, you know, uh, 24 hour demold, blah, 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 blah. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We've been touting it, you know, and it's leading up to this. This was like the seventh day. We're going to, you know, it's kind of like, kind of like a biblical story, like on the seventh day. So on the seventh day, we're going to demold the sink. Oh, I'm going to pull a Dusty Baker and John Shuler. I'll never forget. I'll I can still remember. Forget. And it's true. I'll never forget. Me and my helper, a guy named Mike Zimmerer. I used to date his sister. It's a whole nother story. But Mike was on the other side. And it's like, I don't know, an eight foot sink. We demold it. It's face down. We go to pick it up. We tilt it on edge. We care for the sawhorses. And we go to flip it upright, so we're laying it over upright. And as we're going to set it down, it just folds into three pieces. Boop, boop. So one sink is now three pieces on the floor, right? And I'm standing there with my hands in the air where the sink was, and Mike's standing there with his hands in the air where the sink was. And there was a commercial back then that people might remember. It was Holiday Inn Express. And there, it, was a, it was a genius marketing campaign where it was like, ding, want to get away? And that was the slogan. <laughs> And I swear to God, I swear to God, I heard that in my head in that moment. And if I could have been anywhere else in the world, I wouldn't have been there. Because like 15 people are sitting there staring at me that all paid all this money to be there. And we've been touting the benefit of it. And we taught a couple classes before this. And by this point, I probably cast several hundred pieces out of GFRC in my career at that point. I never had this happen, ever, not privately not in a previous class, never had this happened, but here we are, right? Half Ugh. the people just walked out right then. They didn't say a word. They picked up their bags and they got in the rental cars and they drove away. And I was like dumbfounded. And we ended like on a Sunday, the class. So there's nobody to call. I couldn't call Hiram. I couldn't call, you know, right. Ball Consulting or, you know, the, the fibers back then came from St. Coban out of Spain. I was pretty sure what a fiber issue. But I told people, guys, I don't know what happened. I honestly don't know what happened. I can't tell you what happened. I think it's fibers. I don't know. I'm sorry. This has never happened. But they're all looking at me. I'm supposed to be the expert. And here I am, right? So on Monday, I get a hold of Hiram. And I tell him what happened. And he's like, well, that's really weird. He's like, what did you change? I said, nothing. Everything's the same. I was using Forton, VF774. I was using, you know, AR glass fiber, these half-inch AR glass fiber from St. Copan, blah, 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 blah. This is my mix. He's like, yeah. He's like, nothing changed. I was like, well, we got new mixers. He's like, okay. What's, what's new? I'm like, oh, it's this company called Colomix, and this is double blood mixer. He's like, I don't know. Call them. He's like, if that's the only variable. He's like, I'm telling you, it's not the fiber. It's not the polymer. 
call them. So they're in Germany. So I call this company in Germany and they're like, or I actually email them and they send me back a message and say, our, our uh, English, you know, customer service person will call you or tech support guy will call you. He's still German, but he speaks, he speaks English. So he calls me up. He's like, so what happened? I was like, well, so I tell him this whole thing, right? And I tell him how the piece just folds in three pieces. He starts laughing. He's like this like little piglet. He's like, <laughs> he's like, oh, you overmixed the fibers. I was like, what? He's like, you overmix the fibers. The double blade mixer will, will shred the fibers. You can't overmix it. I was like, oh, nobody told me. Yeah. Nobody said, there's nothing in the owner's manual. The owner's manual is like a, like a Ikea instruction sheet. It's all like hieroglyphics. But even then, there's nothing in there that says like, don't overmix the fibers. Nobody told me. And I never had this problem with the high-powered drill because the high-powered drill is nowhere near the same torque as a handheld mixer. It's a totally different beast. You can mix with that high-powered drill all day long and it's not doing anything, yeah. right? You take one of these, these uh, high-torque handheld mixers, totally different ballgame. In the double laid, especially, there's no ring on the bottom. And so they create a scissor action. They come together and literally pass each other like a millimeter apart as they spin. And they will just shred the hell out of the AR glass fiber. Totally destroy it. That's what happened. This mixer shredded the fiber. Everybody's taking their photo op. Hey, take my picture. Hey. You know, they're all doing their thing. And it shredded the fiber. Now, I didn't know any better. I didn't know. I was just letting everybody mix. That's when I learned, do not overmix fiber. And that's also when I got rid of that damn double blade mixer. Now, if you're using PVA fiber, use a double blade. You're not going to hurt the PVA. But I'm telling you, if you use GFRC, use air glass fiber, Ditch the double blade mixer. It's not worth the risk. Use a single blade. Well, I'm going to add to that for a second. You didn't just learn that. And a very niche industry all learned that. Because previously, you know, previous to all this, Hiram and anybody else were using roving and it would chop as they sprayed it for conventional GFRC. You were one of the first guys moving all of that idea into this smaller batch mixing kind of idea, which now, yeah, right, you'll probably find it in every training manual. You'll have, you know, who'd ever do it like, hey, don't do this. But you learn that the hard way, which is, again, a reason why we who've done this, who've gone through these trials and tribulations, that's why this information makes more sense. It's got much more heartfelt experience behind it than just, hey, I heard what happened to Brandon, so you just don't do it. Yeah, and that's, that's where we talk about our classes are so valuable because the information we're teaching isn't secondhand information. It's not a game of telephone. It's not hearsay. It's not somebody else learned the hard way. We learn the hard way. And we can tell you why you don't want to do this. There's a reason why. I'm not just some guy that makes up all these rules of like, this is why you do this, and this is why you do this, and you got to do it that way. No, there's a reason why. And that's what we go through in our classes. But that was a catastrophic failure. Now, some of the people have been back to classes since then over the years. And they'll, they'll tell me, they're like, I was in the class. Because I'll tell that story in every class about the piece coming apart, and that's why you don't overmix fibers. But I've had, I don't say like at least two or three over the years, I'm like, yeah, I was in that class. I was there. <laughs> I, was like, oh. I was one of the people who Dude, left. That, yeah. Yeah. That was one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. Of my life. I'll so, bet, man. Yeah. I'll bet. There you go. That's the, the weekly failure. I didn't go the, the uh, AR glass route. 
I've always used PVAs. So yeah, that's a new one to me. I mean, it all clearly makes sense now, like, duh. But um, in fact, I just ordered my first, listening to Dusty, I just ordered my first Cola Mix double paddle mixel. It's, it's still in the box. Literally, it's still in the box. I was just down at the shop today and, you know, I looked over, I'm like, really should use that. And then I look over, I'm like, yeah, but this one's plugged in. <laughs> so I'm just going to use it. But um, yeah, I look forward to it. No, they're a great mixer, phenomenal mixer. If you're doing overlays, which I think that's really what they're designed for. They weren't designed for guys like us. They're designed for people doing flooring overlays. They're perfect. They're awesome. They're phenomenal. But for mixing air glass fiber, they are the yeah. devil. Do not use a double blade. Use a single blade with a ring on it. And then you can't chew up your bucket and, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. I have that video that's uh, up on how to make a concrete sink. And you can see me mixing Maker Mix using a single blade column mix. And I have a cool mixing stand. I talk about it a little bit in the video. We have great range of motion where with the double blade, especially if you get the um, kind of the arm they sell, it's this kind of articulating arm. It locks out the mixer like a quarter inch above the bottom of the bucket. You, you don't have that range of motion. So you get this layer of like dry mix that you can't mix. And it, it's really dangerous because you take that mixer and hit the bottom of the bucket, it just shreds yeah. the plastic because there's no ring. And so then you end up with all these plastic chips in your mix, which that's happened to people. I mean, I've been in classes when they're casting dusty crete and somebody gets a little bit too zealous with a double blade mixer and they, they shred plastic into the mix. I've seen it. That's the danger with the double blade mixer where the single blades, you don't have that danger because they have a safety ring. You can't shred the bucket. For me, the, the benefits of double blade aren't outweighed by the potential downsides. So I stick yeah, with single point. blade. I, I picked it up because I just wanted to see the difference in shear. So when we, when I start the testing, I, the mix and meaning from compressions and so forth, because we've talked about that in the last podcast, and I hope to have all that information, well, not all of it, but moving forward with the information as we start presenting it in the months ahead, but I was going to take a look and see what the difference in shear and just present the information between single head, double head and the uh, pan mixer, the Imer mixer. Yeah. yeah. Should be interesting. I mean, if anything, it's just information. All right. Well, John, until next week, I, we keep trying to get Joe Bates on here, but that guy is like trying to pin down the Pope or something. He's impossible yeah, we'll get to get next week. scheduled. That's what we got to do. It'd be good to talk to Joe again, see what he's up to. Strap him down so he doesn't sound like he's, you know, in a grocery store when we're talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for, and nobody would know, but we actually recorded an episode with Joe a couple weeks ago that we were planning to release. But the, the guy and a lot of people that we do podcasts with is a roamer. He's walking around a shop, you know, picking up drills, opening doors, walking outside. <laughs> opening up bags of chips so or much something. Golly. <laughs> so much background noise that uh, when I was trying to edit it, it was just impossible to edit. It was just too much noise. And so we got to redo that with him. He's got to go. Yeah, you got to strap him to like a chair. We'll get Joe on the next one. And... Uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Excellent. Well, as always, my friend, good talking to you. Same here. You have a fantastic rest of your day, and we will uh, talk later. Adios, amigo. All right. Bye.